Facts live in a vacuum, folks. Facts are facts. And we all must become, if we're not already, fact seekers and fact relators. Yeah, we need to pass out what we think. Let everybody around us know what we think. They're going to let you know what they think anyway, right? (laughs) Might as well do a little quid pro quo. Well, I hope you're having a good week. We've got to the middle part of the week. Football is back in the air. NFL preseason games have already been happening. High school football, they're getting ready for jamborees and scrimmages. Actually, tomorrow night, I'll be at one of those scrimmages in West Monroe, Louisiana. I'm a football fan. What else can I say? I like football. I have one grandson that is playing on a varsity high school football team, and his team is scrimmaging. West Monroe High School in Monroe, Louisiana, a perennial powerhouse in football in Louisiana, as is my grandson's school, Evangel Christian Academy. So we're getting back in the flow of what's going on in a normal summer slash fall. If you didn't get your summer beach vacation in, you still got a little time, (laughs) but you better hurry this week or next week. And then, to be honest with you, If you can do it after Labor Day, talk about condos on the beach getting inexpensive along the Redneck Riviera. That's northwest Florida and the extreme southeast part of Alabama. Same beach, same sun, same gorgeous water. Way, 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 way cheaper. And the crowds go way down. Why? Because the kids are back in school. If you can get around that, I just give you that little vacation hint for free. That would be a great time to go. Labor Day weekend is the last big weekend of summer and the beaches on the Gulf Coast will be just destroyed on Labor Day weekend. But when that's over, it's a great time to go shopping for beachfront calm and quiet and waves and great seafood. And maybe one of those adult beverages, you know, one of those that have a little uh, uh, what do they call them? Something sticking out of a glass. You know you're in a Caribbean atmosphere when you have those rum drinks. How do you know about that, Dan? <laughs> well, somebody told me. <laughs> those umbrellas in those drinks. I couldn't think of the word umbrella. That's what happens when you turn 69. You begin to forget a few things. I got to be honest with you, I've still got a mind pretty much like a steel trap. Uh, Sometimes it just takes me a few extra seconds to get it out and get it in the air. I want to start with something pretty serious this morning. And it has to do with this FBI 
Department of Justice raid of the Mar-a-Lago residence of former President Trump. And all of that leads me to make this statement. We now know what the first order of business has got to be when the Republicans retake the House and Senate. What might that be, Dan? Impeach President Joe Biden on day one. Why? Why would we think about that? We went through two really ugly impeachment attempts to get rid of Donald Trump. No, he was impeached twice, folks. Impeachment is what the House of Representatives do. They put together articles and they they confirm the efficacy of those articles that they put together to impeach a president. So the House impeached him. The Senate, in a Senate trial, determined that he was not guilty of those charges. Well, think through this with me. Democrats claimed, Department of Justice claimed, FBI claimed, that they were looking for documents that should have been turned over to the National Archives. Former President Trump and his lawyers had been cooperating with that process and had recently turned over about 15 boxes of documents. This was their lame excuse for a partisan witch hunt at a scope never before seen in the history of our republic. This Mar-a-Lago incident, first time, only time it's happened in American history. So what does this all mean? The Department of Justice has been weaponized. Attorney General Merrick Garland is a partisan hack. He allowed mobs to run amok outside the homes of conservative Supreme Court justices and did that in defiance of federal law. He's the Attorney General and he doesn't enforce federal law? He didn't. Those those people that were in front of those Supreme Court justices were there illegally every day, every hour. DOJ did nothing. Why? Because it supports the Democrat narrative concerning abortion. Raiding the home of the leader of the opposition is right up his alley now. This is not only about Donald Trump, who, by the way, is beating Biden in every poll, but about an administration that's desperate to silence the opposition at all costs. Biden has declared war on 74 million Trump voters, as well as the rule of law. First of all, we can't trust that that Mar-a-Lago warrant was authentic. The FBI forged documents to get the FISA warrant that allowed the FBI to spy on the Trump campaign. This warrant was signed by a judge who was an Obama donor. The 30-plus agents who raided Trump's home They brought a safe cracker along with them. Think about that. They were planning on cracking a safe, which they did. They wouldn't allow Trump's lawyers to observe the search. Why not? We don't know if the FBI planted evidence. Eric Trump, who inspected the property after the FBI finished its nine-hour search, stated they even rifled through Melania's clothes and shoes in her closet. On the day after the raid, three FBI agents seized the phone of a big Trump supporter and leader of the House Freedom Caucus, 
Representative Scott Perry of Pennsylvania. They had him under surveillance, and they waited until he was traveling with his family to make their move. They made no attempt to contact my lawyer, who would have made arrangements for them to have my phone if that was their wish. Congressman Perry said that in a statement. I'm outraged, though not surprised, that the FBI, under the direction of Merrick Garland's Department of Justice, would seize my phone, the phone of a sitting member of Congress. And he he went on. He said, my phone contains info about my legislative and political activities and personal and private discussions with my wife, my family, my constituents, and my friends. None of this is the government's business. I would not be surprised if the personal and political information is leaked to his opponent or somebody else who could use the information against Republicans. Remember this. Hillary admitted to acid-watching 30,000 emails, 30,000 emails that were located on a computer server that was illegal. It was in her basement. And they physically destroyed phones and computers. No indictment. No FBI raid. Sandy Berger, Bill Clinton's national security advisor, he stuffed classified documents into his pants and walked out of the National Archives with him. He admitted it. No FBI raid. No indictment. Hunter Biden, the president's son. I know he wasn't elected, but he's front and center about everything. He's committed multiple felonies proved by video on his own laptop, which is in DOJ possession, by the way. Yet he's allowed to travel on Air Force One for a week-long family vacation on Kiowa Island, South Carolina. No FBI raid. No indictment. If this is not a double standard, I don't know what is a double standard. My question is, which Trump supporter is next for persecution? Republicans got to win both houses in November to stop the corruption and restore the rule of law. As House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy stated concerning Merrick Garland, preserve your records and clear your calendar, Mr. Attorney General. When Republicans take control, we're going to follow the facts, leave no stone unturned. And you can bet there are some Republicans in Congress that are chomping at the bits to get after this. Why? Not to attack a man, not to attack a group of people, but to attack all of the choices and decisions that have been made that are anti-Republic and anti-American. And there are plenty of those to go around. That's what the conservatives that I know in Congress are committed to do. They have massive, very strategic, very detailed plans already in place, ready to go, even before the Congress, the new Congress that will be elected in November, takes their office in January. They've got it all ready to go. But this corruption thing in the Department of Justice... I don't know what we can do. I know 
I know the attorney general can be fired, and if Trump wins in 2024, certainly he would be replaced. But there's a long way between today and 2024. And it's not 2026, 2024. The elections happen in November. Those elected don't take office the next day. The outgoing Congress and any outgoing president that are lame ducks, they've got a couple of months to wreak havoc on the American people in the interim. Keep that in mind. These people that will be elected in November that are in their primary races right now, they're not going to take office the second week of November after the elections. There's a lot of moving and shaking that's gone on in that period throughout American history. And a lot of it wasn't good. An election doesn't mean we can let up, folks. We got to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep shoving. Make sure that we tell them every day, here's what we think, here's what we like, here's what we don't think is best for us. And hold them accountable for the stuff that they do based upon the messaging that you sent to them about what you need and think is best for you, your family, your business, your church, your social group, your town, your city. Let them know about all of it. And then hold them accountable. That seems to be what happened up in Wyoming yesterday. Boy, did Wyoming Democrats send a message to Representative Liz Cheney, who was a Republican holding the only one congressional seat for Wyoming. Liz Cheney, daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney. And she got blasted by 30 points, 30 points by Harriet Hageman. The Cook Political Report found that Hageman is going to unseat Cheney in the battle for Wyoming and dramatically a 30-point victory. Think about that. That doesn't happen in current politics. John Cooper, a former finance chair for the draft Biden 2016 campaign, wrote this, the GOP is going to pay at the polls for what they've done to Liz Cheney. Robert Reich former Secretary of Labor under Bill Clinton, wrote an opinion editor piece for The Guardian in praise of Cheney. Here's what he said. Six days after the January 6th attack on the Capitol, when no other Republican in the House or Senate was willing to rebuke Trump, Cheney charged on the House floor that the President of the United States summoned this mob, assembled the mob, lit the flame of this attack. Everything that followed was his doing. And then the next day, Cheney joined nine other Republicans and 222 Democrats in voting to impeach Trump. The role that Cheney has played raises a larger question about the meaning of representative democracy. Is it the responsibility of elected officials to represent the views of their constituents or their own principles? The question It's not limited to Republicans. It's not a Democrat. It's not a Republican thing. So as the midterms are coming down the pipe very, very quickly, some Democratic operatives and pundits argue that Biden and the Democrats got to move to the center to win. They've been telling us that year after year for decades now. 
Oh no, we're not far left. We're moderates. We represent the people on the left in our party. We represent the people on the right in our party. We're moderates. That's what they say. You know why they say that? They got to say that to voters when they're campaigning because they won't get elected. If they are portrayed as being far leftist in the Democrat party, they lose half of the votes of members of their party. If they identify as being far right, they lose the other half. You're supposed to win right down the middle, but guess what, folks? Democrat Party has changed. They're not calling anybody moderates now. They'll call themselves true Americans, mainstream Americans, but they never let on that they're far left. Former Representative Tulsi Gabbard, who, by the way, is a Democrat from Hawaii, she has non-interventionist foreign policy views. And she sharply contrasted with Cheney's neoconservative foreign policy vision. Gabbard wrote this, It appears that Liz Cheney, one of the GOP's chief warmongers, is about to lose. This is good news for every American, regardless of party. So it obviously was split down political partisan lines. But let me tell you this. When a sitting member of Congress loses not a general re-election, but loses in a primary in a state that only has one seat that that sitting member of Congress, the House of Representatives, is trying to go back and serve on that seat again. When you get busted by 30 points, the people that you're supposedly representing, they don't like you and they don't like the job you're doing. And all of these people in D.C. and these media sycophants that consider themselves experts, when they talk about all of what and why, every word they say, every sentence they make, every paragraph, every speech, every interview, it's slanted to their particular partisan perspective. And here's the underlying theory that goes with every question, every answer. It goes with this. Uh Uh-huh, I've got you now. You don't think like me, so you're evil. It's not that they have different opinions. No, 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 no. The leftists, the leftist Democrats, if you don't agree with them, you're evil, and you must be destroyed. We saw that with Donald Trump, the president. We saw for three years he was persecuted beyond explanation by anybody and everybody that had any kind of ties to the Department of Justice or even was in media during that time because the media served the Department of Justice. If you were in that mode, you were okay, and anybody that wasn't there with you is evil. There's a whole lot more going on, folks, about this election, this primary election. Representative Adam Kinzinger, who's a Republican from Illinois, Republican, he served on the January 6th committee and is still serving with Liz Cheney. They're the only two Republicans that Speaker Pelosi would allow to serve on that committee. Kinzinger last night said Liz Cheney, his compadre, will chase former President Trump to the gates of hell. 
Now, that's a heck of a thing for a congressman to say about a former president who served, by the way, representing that congressman's own party. Wagner, who was the, um, the moderator on that show, asked, I'll ask you as one of the few people who's been going through this with her as members of the same party, what has it been like being on the committee with Liz Cheney? Has there been camaraderie, gallows, humor? What has that relationship been like between you and her? And Kinzinger, by the way, who is a rabid Donald Trump hater, just like Liz Cheney. And by the way, the pair, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, aren't going back to Congress. Kinzinger said this, It's been pretty amazing. This committee just outside of Liz and I, this is like probably never happened in history and likely will never happen again. You have a committee that is focused on getting the truth, getting the answers, getting done what needs to be done. There are violins playing behind me. I can hear them. Getting things done. We thank Kevin McCarthy for pulling his members. It's made a lot easier for us to get to the truth. And then he said, but with Liz, look, and I feel the same way. If I went back 20 months and made the decisions about, am I going to impeach Donald Trump? I would have done it in a heartbeat, and Liz feels the same way. What is it for a man to gain the world but lose his soul? And I think as we have gotten into this committee, Liz and I get along really well. My respect for her was huge, by the way, prior to even all this grown immensely. She's very determined. Wow. That's one thing that almost every member of Congress throughout history has been able to do. Give a good dang speech. Speeches aren't necessarily documents of fact. And I think we've seen that way, 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 way too often throughout recent history. Is it because cable TV just came around and wasn't here back in the 90s and the early 2000s? Is that the deal? I don't know. I don't think it's changed that much. I think when back then when Walter Cronkite and Frank Reynolds and all those people on the three national television news networks that we got, we only got ABC, CBS, and NBC. We just assumed everything they told us was true. Looking back, based upon news media today, the question marks there now, how much of what Walter Cronkite said was really factual and how much of it was Walter Cronkite? <laughs> That's one we'll never know. And it's no doubt that all of the ways people get their news now, you're listening to this show. I think it's a miracle. Do you understand? I'm speaking to you from a bunker in Shreveport, Louisiana. When I speak, my voice is going through a computer system, through a server in my studio. It goes from there to wherever the link is on the internet, and then my internet server there kicks it via satellite up and down to Dallas, Texas, and then it relays from there, goes up to a satellite, to Seattle, down to Seattle, and then Broadcast Matrix, who is the company that distributes my podcast, my show, after it's over, 
It goes to 90 different countries via satellite from Seattle, Washington. Think about that technology. Think about that ability to communicate. What would have been different back in the 90s? What would have been different back in the 80s, the Reagan years, if we had the access, the ready, easy access to hear and see what's really going on and to be able to dig and get some more things? Let me just give you one example of what just popped in for me yesterday. I listened to a group of doctors and lawyers and doctors that are very, very intellectually connected in medicine. None of them were partisan. They're all researchers. They're all find what's best for the American people, what we need to treat them for various things and make it happen. There's factual hard evidence that not all vaccines for COVID-19, but at least one of them, in women, young women especially, it makes them sterile. And what's even worse, folks, there is documented proof through testing, through documents that have been pulled up, the FDA knew about it from the very beginning and still has been pushing and still is these COVID-19 vaccines on our young people, our kids. Now you and I, if we took vaccine, if you're female and you took a vaccine, odds are this is not going to impact you in that way. But your children, vaccinated children, they're not going to get that pass that you and I got. That's just one news thing that if we knew about a long time ago, when all of this was being begun back in the early 2000s, late 1990s, we would have stopped it. We would have said no. Technology is good, it's wonderful, but it's evil in other ways. Everything in itself is not bad or good. What makes something good is the way somebody uses it. The same thing about something bad. Nothing's made bad. It just often is used by people in bad ways. We need to separate those kind of things, those actions from people, and stop the hate. Stop it. And before we get into our really meat today, I'll just throw something out on what we were just talking about. University of Alabama, everybody knows. Crimson Tide, they're year in, year out, the best college football team in the nation. No question about it. The University of Alabama football teams can beat quite a few NFL teams. If they had the opportunity, they would go do it just to show that they could do it. It's a southern state is Alabama. Now, people that go to Tuscaloosa will tell you they try to differentiate different parts of Alabama. If you live in Alabama, there are only two college football teams, and you've got to immediately identify with one of the two, Auburn or Alabama. Auburn's more down in the south part of Alabama. Tuscaloosa's in north-northwest Alabama. So there's a lot of divisiveness there. And I'm saying that because what I'm about to tell you, you're going to immediately put this in a little box that you use to delineate your opinions about people 
and about things. What are you talking about? I'm illustrating how racism and identity politics continues to be used to the detriment of every person in the nation because the enlightened one, the elitist, have been anointed, we are told, to be able to brand everybody with a label. That cuts both ways. Now you're really got me thinking about it, Dan. A transgender woman was rejected by all University of Alabama sororities during their student recruitment process. Grant Sykes, a biological male, wrote on Instagram that he was denied entry to all of the sororities on campus. And there are about 20 of those campus chapters. Unfortunately, this chapter is closed. This recruitment journey is over for me, Sykes wrote. Being dropped from my last house this morning during primary recruitment at the University of Alabama doesn't come as a surprise considering out of the almost 20 chapters, I was dropped by every single one except two before day one. Sykes said, I'm hopeful of a future where everyone is welcome for just being themselves everywhere. If you're going through a hard time today, remember that life is too short to ponder on things lost. Choose happiness. Always look for the positive things throughout life. Move on. See the good. See the bad. Hope for the best. Brave the worst. So I'm giving you this to tell you in one of the most woke, everybody got it all together institutions in the world. I'm talking about a university, a major university, and we know all major universities are hardcore left, but they are the only inclusive people on the planet. They accept everybody just as they are. And the University of Alabama, 20 different sorority groups, that wokeism, that acceptance, that tolerance that they brag about, went down the pipe. It doesn't exist there. What does that tell you? What it tells you is that this song and dance that we're having preached at us every single day, every major corporation is going woke. And if they're not already there, they're in trouble. They're way behind. And they adopt all this stuff that nobody gets it and figures it out for themselves how does it, how did they get it? Where do they get all this information? They go find it. They go looking for it. We got to be woke. We're not going to be able to sell anything. We've got to make everybody at least think that we're woke, that we're considerate and tolerant of everybody. Human nature dictates the opposite. I'm not going to preach to you, but people are all similar in structure. We all have minds, we have brains, we have emotions, we have feelings. We can identify things and people. We learn through processes in our lives what's good, what's bad. We learn there are penalties that go with making bad decisions from time to time. We learn all of that. Uh-oh, you're about to step out on shaky ground, Dan. Yeah, I am. 
We are told over and over again, follow the science. Follow the science. We were told that about the pro-life movement and how evil it is. We were told that it's an absolute. Life does not begin until birth of a child. A a fetus is not a, a baby. It's hard for me to even say that, but there are a bunch of people that believe that. Way, way, way too many. We're told that. We're told that anybody can be anybody. Biologically, it doesn't matter what the plumbing looks like. It doesn't matter what is said on the birth certificate. None of that matters because whoever that is, whenever they want to, they'll be able to change it. And what they say they are, that's what they are. And if you don't agree with that, you're not woke. And besides that, you're the enemy of woke people. Follow the science says exactly opposite of that philosophy. So follow the science. We've now learned that's controlled by people who determine what's okay to believe, what's okay to espouse, what's okay to despise. It's what they say. Grant Sykes, biological male, he doesn't even need to use that two words to describe himself. He doesn't need to say biological. If he's male, he's biologically male. If someone's female, they're biologically female. The science says that, not Dan Newman. They are saying anti-scientific things. They being the people that have created this new weapon to use again those who disagree with them politically. Did you know that? Transgenderism, LGBTQ, the politicization of each of the segments of that was purposely done to be used as a weapon against political opponents, not a people that just disagree with not believing in biological gender determination. It's we've got to have something to attack them with to get the upper hand in whatever political matter of the day we're discussing. Yeah, that's disgusting, isn't it? It makes me sick as a dog to even realize it's out there, but it is there, and it's got to be dealt with. What do we have coming up today? We've got some money things. Money things, some Biden administration things that's going to blow your mind. And we're stocked full with it today. But throughout the day today, throughout the show today, there's going to be an underlying thread of we got to get our minds right. We've got to be able to make decisions without having to spend days and weeks in consternation we got to be able to find and implement some hardcore steps in our lives that we know are factual and we don't have to worry about it when we step on them. we got to do that. And the things we're going to discuss today are going to confirm the necessity to do that and how to do it. It's going to be a busy morning. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun... 
Why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun, and you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply Infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an Infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. You remember that those songs like that? Such a heavy title. Get Down Tonight. <laughs> those were fun days. And if you liked to dance back then, oh my gosh, you could uh, dance your butt off and everybody expected you to. Hey, you know how much money Joe Biden and friends have spent since uh, they've been in power? I'm going to get into that with you in just a second. It's going to blow your mind. There are a lot of things that you need to hear and know about it. But I just for a moment, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. I want to visit the issue, the Florida issue, the Palm Beach issue. Of course, we're talking about the raid on the Trump family residence at Mar-a-Lago, that resort in Palm Beach. Um, Every day, it seems like some more information comes out about it. The information, to be honest with you, that's coming out says, this Department of Justice has totally weaponized itself against anybody who disagrees with it. I mean, just look what they didn't do during the Roe v. Wade thing that was taking place at the United States Supreme Court. All those people out in front of those conservative justices' homes were were there, and some of them had bad things in their minds. They're being there violated federal law. Every day they were there, violated federal law. And then you had the one guy that was there. Oh, it's no big deal. I just came to town to kill Justice Kavanaugh. Little picnic trip for me. That shows that there's something going on behind the scenes about what is okay and what is not okay in this administration. But back to the Mar-a-Lago thing. 
I guess the big thing that's out there right now is the affidavit, the actual document that is written and taken to a judge at a court, and it has all the information contained within it that the person filing it says, this is factual, this is why you need to give us a warrant. In most cases, the affidavit is not released at first. In fact, not released until the outcome of that particular uh, trial is made. But there is stuff contained in this affidavit, just like any other affidavit, that is very critical to know the reason, the purposes, the real reason that the Department of Justice pulled off this raid last Monday at Mar-a-Lago. Sky News took a a run at the reasoning for this. So what does this do for the credibility of the FBI moving forward, Joe? Oh, I think the FBI credibility is shot for a while. Uh, Look, the FBI was founded by J. Edgar Hoover, who was a political intriguer. He had dirt files on everybody. Uh, I mean, the FBI has never played fair and of course, um, the attorney general thinks the American people are stupid, and the FBI thinks the American people are blind. They can see what's happening here. I think the credibility has been shot. And Pete, I haven't forgiven them for uh, picking up that chatter in August 2001, and by not reporting that uh, those guys taking one-way um, uh, airplane lessons in, in Phoenix. I mean, uh, the FBI uh, has a better reputation than its actual performance. So they're going to have to lift their game. But I think they're going to have a black eye for a long time to come. Mm. And, and in terms of repercussions, I mean, does this just fuel the fire of Republicans to go after the Democrats, whatever happens on the, in the midterms in November and beyond that? They'll just go after Biden. That word impeach is just going to keep returning. Well, look, as soon as the Republicans get 218 votes in the House of Representatives in November... They're going to be hoisting the Democratic Party up by their own petards. <laughs> They're going to be charging them with all the things the uh, the Democrats are charging them. Yeah, they've been renewed in a sense, uh, and uh, they will be uh, going after the Democratic Party. And I, I think the Republicans have been renewed in general. I mean, everybody's winning their primaries. Uh, as I say, this thing backfired very uh, terribly because the Democrats counted on the American people being asleep. And I'll tell you, Pete, and you know this from being over there, as soon as you get past the beltway, Americans are a lot smarter than Washington. <laughs> Washington has been playing a game with the rest of the country for the past 20 years, and I think they've just gonna, just about had enough of it. Right, so this just continues to be political point scoring, whatever happens here. I mean, it, regardless of governing, it's just all about returning fire. Yeah, this is a political hack job. This is about politics. And look, uh, when someone says to me, well, this is not about politics, the attorney general is above politics. Uh, you know, my goodness, uh, the attorney general is a personal choice, of jo- personal choice of Joe Biden. He's a member of the cabinet and he is seventh in a line of succession to the presidency. So when someone says the attorney general is not political, I, I just, I don't believe a word of it, Pete. Yeah, all right. Everything is political. Everything is weaponized politically. It's being used as a tool. And boy, what they have done through the years, the previous years, I guess the last decade or so, they have revised and revised and changed and edited, added, removed. But they put a plan together for everybody that's out there. They've almost got a cookie cutter plan that they can put out there. Here's how we're going to go after them. Uh, Pull out plan number 132B. Let's put that one in place. 
That's how sophisticated it has become. And in the middle of that, I was talking to you about the affidavit for the warrant that was used to allow the FBI to spend nine hours, nine hours in the Trump residence. And why, oh, why did the FBI demand that the security cameras be turned off while they were searching? I've asked that and asked that. I've reached out to people I know in D.C. I can't get a firm answer why they wanted them turned off. Guess what? They weren't turned off. And the Trump folks have got those security camera recordings. And guess what happened? The DOJ has reached out, and they want those recordings. Why do you think that is? What is there to hide? What does the DOJ want to hide that's contained in the release of the affidavit. They don't want it to happen. I don't know about you, but when I grow up, when something like that happens every time, there's always whoever is screaming and hollering for it not to happen. They got something to hide. Former U.S. President Donald Trump is calling for the affidavit justifying the raid of his Mar-a-Lago home to be made public. But DOJ prosecutors say the document must remain sealed as it contains highly sensitive information with the potential to impact national security. A federal judge will hold a hearing later on this week, allowing the lawyers to develop a proper rationale in defence of the argument. As reports indicate, the Attorney General responsible for the approval of the raid spent weeks deliberating over the decision. The Justice Department is rejecting efforts to release the affidavit justifying the search of former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, urging a judge to keep the document sealed. The DOJ citing reasons that include protecting the integrity of an ongoing law enforcement investigation that implicates national security, arguing that releasing the document would cause irreparable damage to the criminal investigation. Still, the calls for more transparency haven't stopped. There's really demands here for a greater degree of responsiveness. You can release parts of this affidavit. It has happened before. But more importantly, you can respond to these concerns. You can answer the questions. One question that was answered, the FBI says it has returned three passports to the former president, two of which were expired, that were swept up in the search. Some Republicans are accusing the Justice Department of overreach. Merrick Garland can't have it both ways. He can't give us the inventory, the warrant, without telling us why it was necessary to raid the former president's home and there was uh, no less intrusive method available. The pressure for more answers comes as the Wall Street Journal reports that Attorney General Merrick Garland deliberated for weeks over whether to approve the application for the search warrant. I think, you know, one of his considerations had to have been how it was going to play in, uh, you know, with the American people. A hearing on whether to release the affidavit has been scheduled for Thursday in Florida. Let me just make a prediction here. There are people that are going to keep digging for that affidavit to be released. These people I'm talking about are people that are in the know and they're out there to keep government not evil. Keep it exposed when it is being evil. And how do you do that? You continue to file FOIA lawsuits, Freedom of Information Act lawsuits, to get this data and information released to the general public. There's already that happening out there. The New York Times has done it. They're after information. They should be. They're a credible, sometimes credible news source, but one of the biggest newspapers in American history. 
We're going to find out what was in that affidavit, and I bet you what we find out verifies, confirms that they were there for business other than for what they said they were there and what they were looking for. So let's do a quick switch of columns of conversation here. Looking at the Biden money spending, you know, if Joe Biden has half a brain left, and that's arguable, if he did, he would kind of step back and maybe go up to about the 10, 15, 20,000 foot level and look down on the United States and everything that's happened on his watch here. I think then he would have to agree that his spending about $3.8 trillion that we don't have, by the way, but he led the charge and Congress passed about $3.8 trillion approvals in spending. And these, these are just on their top agenda items since Biden took office. And of course they do it, and here's why they do it. They believe it's going to help them in the 2022 midterms. No, they don't say that. They say they're investing in Americans' lives. It's really not investing unless you have money in your pocket to give to someone else. That's an investment. When you borrow money and you give it to people that will give some of it back to you, quid pro quo stuff, that's not investing. Democrats, even in this tough situation, polarized 50-50, can actually get things done. That's what Chuck Schumer said, Senate Majority Leader. Yeah, he got it done. Let's spend some more money. He said that after they passed their Inflation Reduction Act earlier this month. They're going to see Democrats are actually getting things done that matter to them, mainstream things that matter to folks. No matter what they call the legislation, Democrats in D.C. are addicted to spending your money. That's a spokesman for House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. When Democrats said their multi-trillion spending bill would rescue the economy, it did the opposite. It fueled historic inflation and imperiling every family's budget. Now Democrats say their latest spending bill, which also raises taxes during a recession, will reduce the impact of their failures. It's clear Americans want a new direction to get our nation back on the right track. So what does this spending look like? Where is it? Well, the single most expensive piece of it was also their very first one, the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan. That was followed in 2021 by the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, which was supported by every Democrat and a handful of Republicans, and it cost us about $1.3 trillion new dollars, and new baseline spending. Democrats, well, they were stymied then for the better part of a year as they struggled to come to a deal on their Build Back Better reconciliation bill and made little progress on the priorities. But all of a sudden, they managed to pass a $280 billion bill to compete with China and a gun control bill with $20 billion in spending. And both of those had a very small amount of GOP support, particularly in the Senate. Finally, they passed the Inflation Reduction Act. 
It's a reconciliation revamp of Build Back Better with estimates ranging from $430 billion to $480 billion in combined spending and tax credits. And of course, Biden made a, uh, Biden made a big deal about it, signed the bill into law yesterday. For a while, people doubted whether any of that was going to happen, Biden said. We're in the season of substance. Oh my gosh, I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. He calls this a season of substance? What I call it is a a season of you guys in Congress eating all the substance that we had, the real stuff that we had. Biden said today is part of an extraordinary story that has been written by this administration and our brave allies in Congress. And the title of that story that they have written is How to Destroy the Democracy, the Economic Structure, and the Livelihoods of Every American in 18 Short Months. In total, Democrats' biggest agenda items amounted to about $3.8 trillion or more in new spending in less than two years. They, had, they haven't achieved all of their economic agenda. It included trillions more. But what they did accomplish, they say, will help them in the midterms. Listen to this. They actually, I'm, I'm going to let you listen to some people who think they still are going to win. Here's one quote. While Democrats have been delivering landmark legislation in areas with immense bipartisan public support, House Republicans are descending deeper and deeper into an extreme MAGA echo chamber that is incomprehensible to mainstream America. That's Henry Conley. You know Henry, don't you? He speaks every once in a while when House Speaker Nancy Pelosi lets him come up on stage. Somehow in the past few weeks, this is him talking again, House GOP leadership has managed to vote on the same side as the Chinese Communist Party, Big Pharma, and wealthy tax cheats while opposing sick veterans' health care and birth control. Okay, did you hear all that he lumped into it? That the GOP leadership, he said, has done in the last few weeks. They managed to vote on the same side as the Chinese Communist Party, as Big Pharma, and wealthy tax cheats. And of course, then they throw this in. And Republicans are opposing sick veterans' health care and birth control. That's not not true. None of that is true. Even some Republicans are acknowledging that Democrats' success in passing their agenda as of late, even as they blame that agenda for their near-record inflation that's widely attributed, at least partially, to the American Rescue Plan and other Democrats' spending. Schumer has had the longest 50-50 Senate in history, and he's managed to get virtually all of their signature priorities passed. That's what Senator Josh Hawley, Republican from Missouri, said. And he's frustrated. Democrats were on the verge of passing the Inflation Reduction Act. They got it now. And with, by the way, the most unpopular president of my lifetime, Hawley said, and often with Republican help, it's really quite extraordinary. So Democrats, of course, say that any spending they do, it's going to be offset by the money they save or they raise it in some other bills. You want an example? 
Well, their reconciliation bill, we're told, is expected to raise more than $700 billion in tax revenue. Now, how are they going to do that? 92,000 new FBI auditors. And by the way, the we want you signs, when they're out, they're putting information out there, they're going to hire all these 92,000 people. You know what the qualifications are? You got to be able to carry a gun. And you must be willing and ready to use it if necessary. Now, why would FBI, excuse me, IRS, same difference, FBI, IRS, why would IRS auditors need to carry a gun in the first place? And especially because of what they're told or what we're told they're going to do. These are hiring people. They're going to go after $700 billion in unpaid taxes. You know, those tax cheaters. Well, who are those tax cheaters? Well, they told us all of this auditing was going to be done to those evil billionaires that make more than $400,000 a year. Anybody that makes less than $400,000 a year, you're not going to get any kind of new auditing process at all. We now found out it's exactly the opposite. And by the way, you got 92,000 new IRS workers that you're going to go after these evil people. There are only 700 billionaires in the United States. The ones that you say you're targeting, American people aren't stupid. We know who you're going to target. And the information has come out now that a huge majority of any new revenue they get with these 92,000 auditors is going to be from poor Americans and low middle class Americans. They're coming after you. Those numbers are factual. Of course, you can't find out any of the numbers and the cost of numbers are going to impact Americans because we don't get the bill to analyze until the day they vote on it. They don't have the facts when they vote on these massive bills. And please don't diminish what's going on. I don't care what anybody says, $3.8 trillion is a lot of money. It's a whole lot of money. Now let me give you another little Biden deal that just popped up in the middle of all of this. You know, he's been vacationing. He never he never gets a day off. He stays in D.C. and he works in that stinking Oval Office almost 300 days a year. <laughs> Folks, he goes to Delaware. He goes to home every Thursday and he comes back Monday afternoon and then he took a week-long vacation on the ocean coast in South Carolina. He's always putting the lid on a day, a business day. But he's got a pen. He's fixing to use that pen. Guess what it is? He's going to cancel $3.9 billion in student loan debt. He announced that the federal government will discharge all remaining federal student loans that for those who attended the ITT Technical Institute. Think about that. Almost $4 billion. One evil technical institute. Now why, why would we, the taxpayers, be 
paying that for? Let me tell you why. It never would have happened before. Very quietly during the Obama administration, Barack and Joe, they came up with a plan and they took from all of these private lenders that had been making these college student loans for years and managing them, they took it from those private entities for the federal government. The federal government now took over. We're the ones that are going to connect with these people and get that money paid back. We're going to do it. Not you private people that are out there doing everything you do just for dollars. So how do you do that? How do you get these people that borrowed $3.9 billion to go to college? How do you get that taken care of? Well, guess what? We're not going to collect a dime of it. What we're going to do is put it out there on the American people. We're going to absorb it here in D.C. There's no such thing. You and I are going to pay back their debt. If you've had kids, if you yourself, or you have kids that had college loans that you paid back, you just didn't get lucky. These people are so lucky, and it's because Joe Biden's spending $3.9 billion of taxpayer dollars to let them off the hook. We have this new, massive government spending bill. What's in this latest bill? We're going to break it down for you next. And I promise you, the stuff that's in it, a bunch of it's going to hack you off. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids have bought me a busted machine again. On desert! That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Anita. What them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Compare it to smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? 
The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. time we do one of these spending bills. I don't care if it's a little bitty one. I don't know how you define a little spending bill for the United States government. Probably somewhere around, you know, $250 billion. Maybe half a trillion. That would be $500 billion. I don't know. But it's hard to follow what our government spends because it's always buried in documentation purposely so that it's hard to figure out and listen to to get real numbers. So we did some digging. What's in this new spending bill? Who gets the money? White House senior advisor Anita Dunn has consulted for companies and trade groups that have benefited or stand to benefit from federal funding and is being forced to recuse herself from matters involving them, according to one financial disclosure. Dunn has consulted through the public affairs firm SD excuse me, SKDK, during the past two years for the likes of Pfizer, AT&T, Micron, and the American Clear Power Association. Now, that's according to a filing reported by CNBC on Friday. Dunn, who founded the SKDK in 2004, is recused from working on issues related to past clients. Now, this is from a spokesman for the White House. Both White House ethics officials and OGE reviewed and certified Ms. Dunn's financial disclosure report, and as is customary for all new employees, she's received rigorous counseling regarding her recusal obligations. Now, that was from a White House spokesman named Chris Meager. In addition to statutory regulatory requirements, she is recused under the ethics pledge from participating in in any particular matters involving SKDK and any clients that she worked for in the previous two years. Well, one of her clients, Pfizer, inked a $3.2 billion COVID-19 vaccine deal with the Biden administration in June to deliver 105 million doses this fall. That's after they got all the government money money from the previous COVID-19 vaccines that we bought from them. Dunn also had AT&T as a client. The company notably spent thousands lobbying for Biden's bipartisan infrastructure package, which President Biden signed in November of 2020. 2021 delivered $65 billion for domestic broadband. That's to AT&T. $65 billion, one of Dunn's clients. AT&T commends the administration and Congress 
for paving the way for universal connectivity to unserved areas, making broadband affordable for low-income households, and providing more resources for digital equity and adoption. That's from AT&T's CEO, John Stanky. And then there's Micron. Micron stands to likely benefit from the CHIPS Plus Act legislation that Biden signed into law yesterday. The CHIPS Plus Act allocates $52 billion in subsidies for domestic chip manufacturing. The same day Biden signed the bill, Micron announced plans to invest $40 million into U.S. chip manufacturing. With the anticipated grants and credits made possible by the CHIPS and Science Act, this investment will enable the world's most advanced memory manufacturing in America. That's Micron, which Meager, the White House spokesman, told the DCNF was briefed on Dunn's recusals, said in a statement released the day Biden signed the bill. The American Clean Power Association a renewable energy trade group, notably, applauded the Senate's passage of the Democrat-led Inflation Reduction Act, which allocated $370 billion toward green energy initiatives. The ACPA CEO called the Inflation Reduction Act a historic moment Friday and said it was grateful of the White House and Congress for pushing the bill. Well... The IRA slates $60 billion in subsidies for clean energy manufacturing and about $280 billion in clean energy tax incentives. The incentives include a $51 billion tax credit for renewable energy production, $50 billion clean electricity investment credit, and another $11 billion clean electricity production credit. ACPA's board of directors include top executives at green energy companies like Apex Clean Energy, Duke Energy Sustainable Solutions, Dominion Energy, and more. It's disturbing that someone with so many potential conflicts is able to play such a prominent role for this administration. That's Michael Chamberlain, director of the ethics watchdog Protect the People's Trust. Done who came on full-time as a White House advisor back in April after serving as a temporary employee, has earned over $738,000 in the last two and a half years from her time at Just SKDK. That's according to her financial disclosure. It's unclear what specific issues she was consulting the groups on, but what is known is all that money went out to those companies during the Biden administration. Dunn's financial disclosure showed an investment portfolio worth between $16.8 and $48.2 million. However, she's divesting the portfolio to avoid any conflicts of interest. White House spokesperson Meager said, Ms. Dunn's financial holdings were managed by an outside investment manager and predate her current position. Meager told the news organization. Now that she is a full-time White House employee, she has the appropriate recusals in place and will follow all applicable divestiture requirements. 
Yeah, she got a bunch of money already based upon the money she got from the American taxpayers that went to her buddies in business. So let's go back for a moment to these these new IRS auditors and what their plans are and what they're going to do and who they're going to go after. And of course, if you have 90,000 new employees, you've got plans for them. I mean, you've got a program, a job description. Everything's already done, right? A former lawyer for the IRS who accused the agency of going after elderly Americans says that Biden's Inflation Reduction Act it's going to target working and middle-class Americans with new IRS audits. Now, if that's the, the case, and this guy, he knows. I mean, he's been around for a long time. A lawyer for the IRS, he knows. So it's almost like, yeah, they're going to go after middle-class Americans, working-class Americans. With new IRS audits, it's no big deal. Well, it's exactly opposite of what we've been told. These new workers, we got to have them in in the stockpile of what we need to go after these evil people, these billionaires that aren't paying their bills, their tax bills. They've got tax lawyers. They're finding ways to skirt law and take advantage of the American working people. No, what they're doing is trying to get more money for them the bureaucratic Washington, D.C., to spend as they see fit. And they want to take it from anybody and everybody that they can. They don't care if it's wealthy, middle class, or poor. If you've got a couple of extra bucks, they want it. $80 billion in the bill for new IRS audits on American taxpayers. This is happening right now. It's done. Signed into law. The Congressional Budget Office estimates $20 billion or more will be taken from working and middle-class Americans that earn less than $400,000 a year. And that's estimates, that's numbers estimates from these increased IRS audits. $20 billion. We're told $400,000 or less a year in income, you don't get a dime of tax out of this. Almost all of it's coming from there. William Hink, a former IS lawyer, said that executives at the biggest corporation and billionaires are sitting back laughing right now. The idea they're going to open things up and go after these big billionaires and large corporations is quite frankly BS, and he spelled it out. It's not going to happen. They're going to give themselves bonuses and promotions and really nice conferences to go to. The big corporations are probably sitting back and laughing their butts off, he said. There will be considerable incentive to basically shake down taxpayers. And the advantage the IRS has is they have basically unlimited resources, and they're not accountable to anybody. Whereas a taxpayer has to weigh the cost of accountants and tax lawyers fighting something in tax court. Billionaires Bill Gates and Tom Steyer have both voiced support for the Inflation Reduction Act, even as the establishment media has admitted the plan's not going to cut prices for American consumers anytime soon. That's all no big deal. Oh, yeah. 
you know, they're, uh, they're just going to go after everybody. Those people, you know, everybody needs to pay their fair share. Hink said that despite the claims from Biden and Democrats in D.C., the new IRS audits will target the wealthiest of Americans. He warns that it is small business owners who are going to be hit the hardest, like mom and pop shops, roofing companies, local car dealerships. An analysis from House Republicans projects the Inflation Reduction Act will open hundreds of thousands of new IRS audits on working and middle-class Americans. Here's a paragraph out of their analysis. The analysis, which is a conservative estimate based on recent audit rates and tax filing data, shows that individuals with an annual income of 75 grand or less would be subject to 710,863 additional IRS audits when these new auditors come on board. While those making more than a million dollars? Now, you would think it would be just tons. I mean, he told us those are the ones we're going after. Remember, 710,863 new IRS audits Two people that make $75,000 or less. $710,863. You know how many audits, such audits are going to take place for people that make $1 million or more? Just 52295 That comes from the detail in this bill that Joe Biden signed into law. The Inflation Reduction Act would roughly double the IRS budget to increase enforcement and therefore federal tax revenue. Overall, the IRS would conduct more than 1.2 million more annual audits of Americans' tax returns. Another 236,000 of the estimated additional audits would target individuals with income between 75 and $200,000. Hink, by the way, was forced out of his position at the IRS back in 2016. He had been there 30 years. He's accused the IRS of targeting elderly Americans, including World War II veterans, with audits, while letting those big companies off the hook. None of this probably surprises you. None of it does. But it's, it's serious, folks. It's really serious. States are looking at all of this stuff. It's going to impact them. It's going to impact their citizens. It's going to impact their revenue that they get in taxes. The federal government, folks, is taking over all the power in the United States government. And not one ounce of it was ever supposed to be owned by the federal government. You remember what Barack Obama promised us? He promised us what he was going to do was lead the nation in fundamental change of the nation. Fundamental change. Fundamental is the key word there. What does it 
reference, fundamental. You want to get an accurate definition? Let's just take one second and get it for you. Definition of fundamental. Let's see what we get here. Serving as or being an essential part of a foundation or basis, basic, underlying, definition number two, of, relating to, or affecting the foundation or basis. Definition number three, being an original or primary source. Used as a noun, fundamental, a basic principle, rule, law, or the like that serves as the groundwork of a system, essential part, also called fundamental note, fundamental tone. What does that mean? It is the foundation, the structure. Barack Obama said he was going to lead us in the fundamental, the basic, the, 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 the backbone, the heart of the United States of America. He told us that's what he was going to do. And he definitely whipped it to a frenzy in his eight years. The plan was, very simple, pass the torch to Hillary Clinton. She'd just take it and do the next chapter. And then there would be another younger one that would come after Hillary and take the yoke and just keep moving it further and further and further left, which means less control of by the people, more control of the people, and 100% control of the nation. Donald Trump, they want to look at as just a temporary uh uh-oh in their plan to go towards full authoritarian rule. We don't have even a glimpse of the evil that is contained today within this government. We're just seeing how evil the Department of Justice is. Fifth floor DOJ, it's full of the snakes that have initiated all of this stuff. Let me let me just give you an example, a specific example of just one department in the Department of Justice, the FBI. There is an FBI informant in this alleged plot to kidnap Democrat Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. You've heard the whole story. You may not know the details, but it happened back before the January 6th thing that happened. This informant claimed on Monday that the FBI requested that Michigan State Police allow armed protesters into the state capitol during an April 30th, 2020, anti-lockdown demonstration. Now, let me say that again. The FBI requested that Michigan State Police allow armed protesters into the state capitol during that anti-lockdown demonstration. Now, this is from an FBI insider. Dan Chappell testified Monday and Tuesday in Adam Fox and Barry Croft Jr.'s retrial for the alleged kidnapping plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. He said the FBI specifically asked state police to allow those protesters into the state capitol for de-escalation purposes in the protest, 
which he attended with Wolverine Watchmen militia members during his informant tenure. This is Benzinger. Well, what does that mean? Benzinger was an informant planted inside these things. Something new on that. Hundreds of demonstrators called for Whitmer to end a COVID-19 stay-at-home order that day. Fox and Croft, those two that had been tried, they're being retried now, on charges of planning to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer from her vacation home in 2020 because of her COVID-19 restrictions. A jury failed to reach a verdict about them and acquitted two others in April after their defense contended the FBI entrapped them. Chapel is a post, postal worker. Fox's defense attorney, Chris Gibbons, noted the Bureau paid Chapel cash for 17 weeks of lost wages, a smartwatch, and a $4,300 laptop he claimed to have purchased for school. Gibbons reminded Chapel he had testified in the previous trial the FBI gave him a credit card to offer other Wolverine Watchmen members for ammo, supplies, and hotel rooms. Chapel characterized Fox on Monday as the alleged kidnapping plot group's driving force, claiming he himself had reluctantly become an FBI informant after joining the Wolverine Watchmen and eventually fearing they would kill police. The jury heard a recording of Fox saying, you don't even have to convince me to kidnap Whitmer. And by the way, I mean, it was a total fraud. The whole thing of to go get, kidnap Gretchen Whitmer was staged totally by the FBI. And then the guy that left that, uh, that, that organized that, that structured that and ran it for the FBI, he left Michigan. He got transferred inside the FBI. And guess where he is today? Washington, D.C. He's the head of the Washington, D.C. FBI field office. He was there, by the way, in the middle of all of the January 6th stuff. And he's leading the charge at investigating all those things that went on. That's inside our government. That's happening inside our government. We're talking not about people from the outside coming in. We're not talking about terrorists from other nations coming in. We're talking about right here in America today. That is happening. And that's just one example that we see. We would probably croak if we saw all of the other ones that are going on. Now, in the middle of that, you throw in 90,000 or so new IRS agents, and believe me, IRS and FBI agents work very, very closely together in a lot of ways. Add another 92,000 people that we're paying, arm them, and they have access to millions of rounds of ammunition that you and I bought and paid for. You put all that together, I don't know if it's the perfect storm. It may not be a level four tornado, 
but it's going to make a bunch of bad stuff happen that people are going to spend decades digging out of. You speak the wrong thing publicly, somebody hears about it, and it runs upstream to somebody somewhere that can make a decision about stopping you from saying those things or things like them ever again. We're not close to that. We're in it. We just don't know it. So who are the real targets of these IRS audits? Grover Norquist, do you remember him? He's the founder of Americans for Tax Reform. He said yesterday that the expanded IRS wouldn't just go after billionaires and large corporations. They're targeting people that they keep telling us they think they are, restaurants and barbershops and so on. And he's talking to guest host Jillian Turner on Fox. That's their target. And we know this because every single Democrat in the Senate voted against to defeat an amendment which said this law will not allow an any increase in audits on people making less than 400000 a year. Did you get that? Did you get that? We were told again and again and again, oh, it won't impact anybody that makes under $400,000 a year. You're okay. Everything's going to continue just like it is. They told us that over and over and over, and now we find out it will target the majority of these people. Norquist claimed that sales and transfer from apps like Venmo and Cash App. I use Venmo. Not for any reason other than to be convenient. All those sales and transfers from Venmo, Cash App, probably the other ones that are out there, are going to be reported to the IRS. And they're going to tax them. If you don't pay tax on them, when they audit you, they're going to bust you. Norquist also said the expansion of the IRS was a problem on one more front. It's a vast expansion of paperwork. And one of the challenges we have with the IRS, they've not earned people's trust or respect. When tens of thousands of people's audits and their personal income over a 10-year period was released a year and a half ago, the IRS said, we're on it. We'll expose this. It'll stop. They've exposed nothing. And when the Senate asked them, please tell us what's happening, you know what they say? It's classified. We saw this happen in the past. They go after conservatives who made contribution to political campaigns that the liberals didn't like. And then they get attacked publicly because their private contribution to, say, churches or other 501c tax-free organizations get made public through the IRS workers, through auditors, breaking the law, sharing it out to get them. And they're not firing people, and they're not disciplining people. The IRS received criticism for leaks of taxpayer data ProPublica in 2013 and 2021, also allegedly targeted Tea Party groups. And of course, folks at the Treasury Department that run the IRS They're not saying anything. They won't answer questions. They don't want to even talk about it. Well, let me tell you what's going on down in Florida. Here we go. Florida, sunny Florida, beaches, gorgeous Florida, great weather, lots of fish, lots of other seafood, lots of boats to ride on. I love the state of Florida. 
Well, there's news that's coming out of Florida. The chief financial officer of Florida. He's threatening to charge, criminally charge, the federal government. What's this about? It's about what they are doing now, these policies the federal government is doing now, what it is doing and what it will do to the people of Florida. And of course, if it should ever come to fruition, every attorney general in every state will be right up lined joining in this case. Here are the details. Florida is taking steps aimed at protecting small businesses in the Sunshine State from the wrath of the the new bigger and badder IRS. Joining me now is Florida's CFO, Jimmy Petronas. Uh, Jimmy, I'm very interested in knowing what you're planning to do. But first of all, you know what gets me about this is the the, IRA, the Democrats are always claiming that they represent small businesses. Small businesses are going to be hit more than anybody because the big businesses exactly. already have this army of lawyers and accountants and, and lobbyists in D.C. to get them special deals, etc. So it is small businesses going to be hurt the hardest, no? Absolutely, David. I'm, I'm doing this shot live from my family's restaurant. This is the way my family has worked for the last 55 years. Small business taking care of people in our community. And that's exactly right. They they didn't go create new taxes. They're just going to go after everybody they possibly can to harvest more dollars from that under $200,000 range, including small business, the biggest job creators in our nation. And, and you know, this comes at a time when Americans are tightening their belts. We were talking about inflation a moment ago and how, you know, people are trying to work all these ways to stretch the dollars that are earning, not purchasing as much as they used to because of inflation. And at this particular time, you're going to multiply it by a factor of six, the IRS? I mean, it's just... It, it seems so, so uh, negative as, as, as for, for particularly for uh, middle class individuals. But but those small businesses are going to get killed. They are. So, David, right now we are driving fewer miles now than we did at the peak of COVID. So people have adjusted their lifestyle. They've yes. adjusted their budget because Washington has come up with zero solutions. Florida, we're going to do four plans this coming legislative session. We're going to make all state charter banks report when these audits take place. We're going to force all these new IRS agents to be licensed so we know who they are. And those fees, we're going to create a fund in order to create a defense mechanism for those being persecuted. And if we see the same thing we saw in 2013 where they targeted Tea Party groups, where they admitted they targeted Tea Party groups, we're going to create criminal charges to go after them. We've, we've got to protect our citizens wow. because the citizens of the state of Florida spend their money better than Washington does. Now, the state of Florida, granted it is the free state of Florida, but it is still a state, and, <laughs> it's, and its laws are superseded by federal laws. Uh, you're saying you're going to challenge some of the licensing of the IRS agents and do other things that may step on, on the Fed's toes, no? I mean, is that, are you going to have to well, go to well, court over this? If you're going, well, you know what, take us to court. It's the right fight to have. You know, as my buddy Kid Rock said, we the people. Those type of songs inspire me and inspire policies because we're just sick and tired of the dysfunction and lack of listening to the citizens of America that Washington. There, You know, Pelosi and Schumer have pushed all this out because they know in November their clocks are getting clean. So you know what, they're going to go and create this massive agenda and saddle the debt 
to our children and our grandchildren, over $700 billion. Nobody's calling me saying, you know what, I want more IRS. Right. And I guarantee you nobody's calling Washington either. Well, certainly not armed and loaded, as, as we saw in that IRS posting that they put out last week. And then they quickly right. removed once, once people got upset about <laughs> it, uh, talking about how you have to be willing to use deadly force. I mean, you know, the, there are these polls out saying, and you hear in the mainstream media, they say, oh, well, most Americans are for this. They think it's a good. It always depends on how you ask a question. If you ask whether or not you are in favor of a bigger IRS that will, in fact, target a lot of people in the middle class, I'm sure they say no. Of course, of course. You, you know, again, at the, at, at the end of the day, uh, look at what is happening in Washington. And these guys are pushing out an agenda that nobody is asking for. $700 billion of new printed money. All that's going to do is, again, expand the inflation problem we've already got in our nation. And it's so sad that these are people, I mean, I, I feel like they should be arrested because they're spending our children and our grandchildren's money without their permission. They are saddling them with debt. Well, Jimmy, good luck to you. Let us know what happens, all right? It's very interesting. Uh, you're taking on a big kahuna Thanks. here and taking on the IRS. Appreciate <laughs> Thanks, it. Thanks, David. We're going to watch it closely, and uh, hopefully we won't have anything to report because if we're reporting it, it means it's, it's bad news. I, I got a little note from Peter out in California a minute ago. <laughs> I, I got to share this with you. Listen to this. The United States today, we have all these shortages. I mean, we're shorted of everything. I went to the grocery store yesterday for my wife and uh, she makes bread and to make bread the white right way, you got to use a lot of flour and it's supposed to be um, a different flour, bread flour, they call it. So anyway, I bought a bunch of flour yesterday and on the same aisle as sugar, she needed two different types of sugar. Well, I look at the the shelves, and it's a Kroger, a nationwide Kroger store, which means they order, they transport, and they sell a whole bunch of stuff. So you would think these would be the people that were covered up with inventory. We don't hear much about it, but their shelves, many of their shelves, were barren. And when it looks to even the things they have, they don't have it on the shelves in the volume that we're used to seeing. So the United States is facing massive shortages of all kinds of things. But there's another one. The U.S. is facing massive shortage of conspiracy theories. Oh my gosh, you heard one yesterday. We hear them all the time. But there's a big shortage. You know why? All of them are coming true. <laughs> and so when they come true, they're no longer a shortage <laughs> That, that's funny right there. I don't care who you are. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we're in an election cycle, midterms, and we don't talk much about states, individual congressional districts. Got one to talk to you about. Representative Jamal Bowman from New York, a Democrat, has repeatedly called for defunding the police and, of course, New York has seen skyrocketing crime, especially in the northern Bronx, which is part of Bowman's district. He is a self-proclaimed Democrat socialist. He joined the far-left squad with Representative Cory Bush, Democrat of Missouri, of course, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and he joined them when he was sworn in last January. 
he's been vocal about his support for dismantling the U.S. criminal justice system, a system, he said, this cruel and inhumane cannot be reformed. Defund the police. Defund the system that's terrorizing our communities. He tweeted that out the month after his election on December 29, 2020. Republicans want to defund every government program except for those that actively terrorize black and brown people. He tweeted that April 19th of 2021. It's time to disarm the police, he said, in October of 2019. Well, since taking office, Bowman has seen violent crime on the rise in his district, the Northern Bronx, which includes the Spiton, Duval, Woodlawn, Eastchester Heights, and Co-op City neighborhoods of the New York City borough. According to New York City Police Department's crime map, Bowman's district covers all or part of precincts 45, 47, and 50 in the Bronx. Every week, the NYPD publishes stats regarding the seven major crime categories in each precinct, which includes murder, rape, robbery, felonious assault, burglary, grand larceny, and grand larceny auto. Fox News Digital took the total number of violent crimes reported in just those three precincts so far this year, 3,396 of them, and compared it to the total number last year, 2,609. So in other words, just in these three precincts, crime there in those specific categories is up from 2,609 to 3,396. And this analysis found violent crimes up roughly 30% overall in the Northern Bronx compared to a year ago. The biggest uptick occurring in Precinct 50 with the 74% increase. That precinct, which includes the neighborhoods of Spite and Duval, Fieldstone and Riverdale, also recorded a 123% increase in robberies and a 153% increase in grand larceny auto since last year. The other parts of Bowman's district, they're seeing an uptick in violent crime. The much less populated city of Mount Vernon, for instance, has seen a 39% increase so far this year compared to 2021, with a 20.7% jump in robberies and 21.7% increase in burglaries. In other words, folks, the cops are leaving New York City and the boroughs. They're going elsewhere, looking for better jobs. They're moving out of state. They're moving out of the city. It's happening across the nation in these big cities. Nothing there. And the key to the whole thing, everything we're seeing about the ramp up in crime, it's not caused directly necessarily by what these politicos are doing or not doing when it comes to prosecuting criminals. That's all part of the picture. But what this is going to do continually, as long as it lasts, if criminals see leadership in those cities that actively come out and say they're going to go light on criminals and what criminals do, the word goes out what's going to happen. In many cases, folks, in most cases, we're not talking about people that are sitting on the fence that 
may think about going and stealing something. We're not talking about those people. We're not talking about a kid that slips into a, a bodega somewhere in Manhattan or the Bronx and grabs something and hides it and walks out of the... We're not talking about that. We're talking about hardcore criminals, a real criminal, a biological criminal that sees these as opportunities and acts on them. If they were out there saying, we will not accept any criminal activity, violent crime, we're going to bust you, we're going to take you straight to the hokey, and you're going to stay there unless you got a buttload full of money to pay bail to get out until you're tried, and then at trial we're going to make sure you pay for what you did. If that was happening every time, if people like this congressman in his district was promoting that thing happening every time a criminal breaks law there, if you hold people accountable, they quit committing the crimes. It's that simple. But these nut jobs up there, and not everybody are nut jobs, but they're promoting these things. They're suborning these things. Suborning. That's just like what's happening at our southern border. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, he is suborning criminal immigration law-breaking every day. How so? He's promoting those illegals. He's encouraging them to continue to come in and more of them to come in illegally. How's he doing that? He's putting the word out. They're watching what he's doing. What's he doing? Nothing. And they see that. And so what do they do? They take advantage of it. They see it as a weakness. You got a former California Democrat congressman, T.J. Cox. He was arrested by the FBI on charges of wire fraud, money laundering, campaign law violations. He was indicted on 28, uh, 28 crimes by a federal grand jury, 15 counts of wire fraud, 11 counts of money laundering, one count of financial institution fraud on a mortgage, and one count of making illegal conduit contributions. Excuse me. He was making illegal conduit contributions to his congressional campaign back in 2017. Now, what's this all about? We need to look at the people that we're electing and look closely at what they're doing, what they're not doing, but more importantly, what they're doing, how they're doing it, and who's involved with it. I'm talking about those things that are indirectly taking place because of and through their positions in government. Why should we do that, Dan? I would venture to guess that half of the people in government from the top to the bottom here in the United States are somehow fudging on the law, maybe manipulating the law, if not walking across the line, walking right up to the line, and knowing exactly how far they can go in law-breaking before they get busted. Not before they're breaking laws, 
but how far they can go before they're busted for it. That line's been moved in the United States almost totally from California to New York. How's it been moved? That that scream, those hollers, those demands, the cry of racism that started when the killing of George Floyd happened in Minneapolis a couple of years ago. That's where defund the police began. It was picked up. It became a mantra of the left. Black Lives Matter were the big pushers of it. And people responded. People responded. And what that did was it opened up a hole that has allowed lawlessness and especially violence to just ramp up to epic proportions And it has swept across the nation, and it's impacting hundreds of thousands of people. Cause and effect. Everything we do, there's something on the other side of it that happens, that happens just because of the decisions we make. Nothing exists in a vacuum. We tell you that all the time. Our government has gotten too big It's out of our control. We elect people to go there. We elect 535 people in Congress. We elect a president, a vice president. They appoint people, and they pass the nominations of these people that are appointed and all that kind of stuff. That all continues to happen. But it's like the duck that's swimming out in the lake. You see a mallard, especially big, beautiful mallards. Oh, my gosh, their colors are great. They're pretty birds. You see them swimming in the water, and it's just so smooth how they go across the water. But if we looked underneath, you'd see those feet that are just working like a windmill underwater. There's a lot more under the water than we see. Ronald Reagan, what a spokesman he was. He was an actor. We all know that. But he was a successful actor because he learned how to communicate and to understand and relate to people. That's why he was a good actor. That's why he was a good governor in California. That's why he was a good president. He related to people. And he was very concerned. Now, this is back in the 80s. He was very concerned about government, our government, our big government, and what happens in our big government regarding Money coming in and money going out and how the people in government reacted to it and used it and how it impacted the American people. And he warned the American people. He warned us back in the 80s about this big government. Here's an example. Now, it's a very funny thing that the same forces that want to cut our defense spending are the same ones that want to increase all these social services and this social tinkering and experimenting that hasn't worked. And every time it doesn't work, they just impose a more expensive (coughs) program on top of it. I think the American people, if they really look at all the facts, uh, yes, we want fiscal responsibility. But I think we also want a country that is strong enough at all times that we can say to any adventurous guys over there on the other side of the water, you better look twice, brother, before you start getting rough. Let's put that in context, what was going on. He was talking about increasing defense spending. 
And there were people in Congress that were fighting him tooth and nail. Oh, we don't have the money to spend on our defense. We're okay. We don't need all this stuff. But what we got to do, Mr. President, we got to put more money out there. We got to go as a government out there and pick and choose what's good, what's bad, and make the decisions that we spend the money for the American people. They don't have the understanding of this. He warned us, the same people that are screaming, don't spend money on defense. And I'm now talking about law enforcement. The cries went out for years, two years. Defund the police, defund the police. There are citizen groups and voters around the nation that listened to that, and they did just that. That is why crime is through the roof. And by the way, government's not getting smaller. You know, the places where they actually have defunded the police? They're not cutting spending there. Government's not going to cut spending. I'm talking about federal, state, and local. It's just a thing. When they get their hands on legislation that gives them the power to collect more money and therefore spend more money, they're not ever going to let any of that go back. That's not going to happen. When they get money, tax revenue, that you and I pay them, they don't look at this as, we got to go take care of this, our people. We've got to make sure we do the right things for our people. No, no, no. They look for different ways to spend money. They're not sitting there with a list of things on a, on a whiteboard on the, the office wall a list of things, the priorities that if and when we get money, we got to go do this because this is going to help this section of our voters and these people there. We've got to build these infrastructure plans. We got to do those may be somewhere, but they're not in a priority position where when money actually comes, they're going to automatically plug these holes where the needs have been determined. That's not how government is running today. How's it running today, Dan? It's running this way. Hey, let's go find some money. We need to spend money on this and on that. No justification. No discussion of need. Oh, they may come up with an excuse every once in a while. But in most cases now, it's not necessary. Let's just talk about what's going on right now. Bidenflation. Joe Biden yesterday signed the Inflation Reduction Act. It's going to raise taxes on the middle class. They told us it wasn't, but it's like, ho, ho, it does. Skyrocket inflation even further. They told us it won't. Now they're admitting, yeah, it will. And of course, to hire those almost 90,000 armed IRS agents to shake down Americans. But listen to this. This is one little little bitty nugget in this bill. It's now law. If you buy an electric vehicle averaging $62,893, you just might be eligible for a tax credit, a tax credit up to $7,500 until the year 2032. I mean, that's a big deal. You get a tax credit. In other words, you deduct $7,500 from the check that you send into the IRS. 
That number I gave you, the price on the car, $62,893. That's the average price of vehicles sold only through dealerships and does not account for direct-to-consumer sales of more expensive electric vehicles. This number also accounts for all electric vehicle transactions, both new and used. Well, guess what happened with this out there? Ford Motor Company, they immediately raised the price of every Ford electric vehicle by $8,500. You get a $7,500 electric vehicle tax credit. And if you're buying a Ford electric vehicle, you're going to pay $8,500 more. Does that sound realistic to you? (laughs) That's the federal government. That's the Biden administration. That's inflation. That's graft. That's corruption. That's quid pro quo. That's bureaucracy. That's big government. And it's getting bigger under this president. Hey, guys. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow right here at 9 a.m. Central at TNN Live, Truth News Network. Have a great one.